Okay, so it's recording now. This is a, this is a kind of look into uh, into the inner inner process of the of the podcast here. Yeah. Right, so that's recording. This is how you, I like to start all shows like this with fumbling around on uh, <laughs> electrical appliances. Right, um, utilities. Right, so I think this means it should tell me when it's. Hopefully, that will ring an alarm. If not. Let's hope for the best, right? So, uh, yeah, welcome to Getting Better Acquainted. Uh, Getting Better Acquainted is a podcast uh, where I interview people I know, uh, from my closest friends and family to someone I might have once met at a party, um, and it's a kind of exercising trying to listen better to other people. I'm quite good at talking, but not necessarily at listening before this project. And uh, it's kind of an oral history project and a chance to listen to people who aren't necessarily famous and in their everyday lives and living in their everyday lives. Although though, uh, these days I do have a few people who are sort of famous-ish, so uh, we've, got that, we've got that too. Um, and that's what the show is. You can find it at www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. And uh, yeah, this is the theme tune, right. I want to get better Please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you Brilliant, okay. So, today we're getting better acquainted with Rosie Wilby. Uh, hello Rosie. Hi. <laughs> and we're recording this at the at the Edinburgh Fringe as part of the free festival. Yeah. Um, it's a really um, Edinburgh Fringe experience in that we've got three yeah. people in the audience. Yes, and we're in a, a sort of little tiny basement. We it's, are. It's, it's not a, an unpleasant basement. It's quite sweet. It's quite nice. But yeah. we are sort of next to the toilets. That's true. Um, which you often end Standard, up Standard, right? Yeah, I yeah. Think. When you're when you're performing comedy in a free fringe venue, right? In the fringe, yeah. And that's. I mean, that, and I kind of like that. That the, 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 the uh, audience at home can kind of get better acquainted with the fringe experience. I mean, <laughs> yes. and, and hopefully this will be one of the shows. And there are many of them on the fringe where there's three members of the audience, but the show is amazing. Um, but, but luckily, we can capture that show. Uh, in audio form uh, today, so that's kind of a nice, a nice additional element for us because it's not very nice uh, being a performer in front of three members of the audience no, normally, it's, is it's it? It's nice to know that all those extra people, all yeah. those extra pairs of ears, will, yeah. be, will be listening. That's right, because that's the, that's the challenging thing I think uh, going on with a small audience and, and still giving it your all because you don't. It's not their fault that there's any no, three no, members no. of the audience. That's the thing. So yeah, you don't yeah. want to be all lackluster. That's all right. Them, but, yeah. So the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? How do I know you? Well, I know you because of your night stand-up tragedy, um, which you are doing at another yes. venue on the free fringe. Up here in well, Edinburgh. Up here. But I um, had heard about it and emailed you, I think, that's to, right, to come that's on right, and do yeah. a spot. And I did a spot at the Hackney Attic in January. It's quite early this year. And it was a really fun night, actually. It was really lovely, really cool. Um, yeah, and, yeah. It was, it was. Yeah, well, we fun really enjoyed. Space. Yeah, and we really enjoyed your set. I mean, it's, it's, it's. I, I mean, that's. It's exciting to have comedians come on to stand up tragedy because you don't know if they're going to do play it serious or if they're going to be the necessary laughs that you need to yeah. relieve the tragedy. So it's yes, really... well, it's a really interesting mix of stuff. I mean, I like nights that like that that aren't strictly all comedy and sort of have a range of emotions. I think 
you know, I, I sort of find that more interesting in yeah. a way than nights where it's all trying to be comedy. I think I think if it's just all laughter all the way, sometimes the audience can flag a bit right. if there's a lot of acts on like you have on. And it's quite nice to have that variety. I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's the thing. You don't enjoy the laugh as much if you haven't got the contrast. <laughs> if it seems like, that's how yeah, I look at yeah, it anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, I suppose in life it's like that, isn't it? You don't enjoy those happy moments as much unless unfortunately you have the really <laughs> really right. bad times right, too right. and that's why we enjoy those good times no sure that's the thing and we i guess we also know each other um sort oh, of subsequently res- yeah right well. subsequently to that because getting better acquainted sometimes goes out on resonance yeah. fm and you do a show on resonance FM. yeah which is obviously this station based in london yes. um, but people all over the world can listen to it yeah yeah, yeah. and um yeah i don't think i realized until we met up through stand-up tragedy i didn't sort of put two and two no, together no, that you either. were doing right. a show there um, and yeah it's a really fun station I do an LGBT magazine on Tuesdays um, obviously not doing it at the moment I've taken uh, this month off yeah. but um, yeah I've uh, really enjoyed doing that I've done it for, oh, I've done that for a few years and we've had some amazing guests on sort of uh, kind of really famous writers people like Armistead Maupin and Stella Duffy and wow. Sarah Waters people wow. like that so really, really interesting and sort of filmmakers and well, all kinds of different creative people. And um, we, yeah, I, I won one or two little awards and um, got nominated for um, Broadcaster of the Year at these awards this year, the G3 Awards, which is this gay magazine. And I was in a category alongside like Claire Balding and, and all of these kind of like, you know, proper famous broadcasters. So that was really nice. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I guess like that's this is an interesting thing. Normally when I have like a, a person who is part of the LGBTQTI community. Yes, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that, I mean, to roll my eyes. I do respect all of those letters. I, didn't I know. Mean to I, d- I just but, get so confusing. I mean, I think <laughs> I quite like a lot of people in using the word queer to sort of right. be I, just some kind of alternative to complete heteronormativity. Yeah. Um, well, I think queer is how I would define myself if I didn't feel a slightly appropriative usage of it. Because, I mean, I, I don't really identify with the gender roles that we have okay. and the sexualities that we have. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm pretty straight. Uh, <laughs> pretty so I, I'm, straightish. You know, straightish, yeah. Straightish, straight generally. Um, and so, yeah, I don't want to appro- you know, appropriate it. But what, what I was going to say is, you know, normally when I have somebody who is, you know, gay or whatever mm. on the show, I don't necessarily refer to it because, I mean, yes, sure, it's part of their life, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, not necessarily the necessarily, most interesting part, right? No, it's not necessarily um, that. It's funny how people do then put you in a box. And right. It's quite interesting. I quite like the way things perhaps are getting more fluid. I mean, right. I quite like what you say about being straightish <laughs> or hetero flexible right is, yeah um, i like that one too. a word that's being used a bit now that's yeah. quite interesting um and so yeah yeah i you know um people do often sort of call me a lesbian comedian even though that that's part of oh, sure it is part of what i talk about I yeah do, you know i will talk about my partner and obviously say she rather than kind of try and mask their gender because now i don't think it's I don't think in general it's a problem to sort of be gay. It yeah. depends where where you go, but you know, in general, people are pretty pretty kind of non phased by it. Whereas even when I started doing comedy eight years ago, it was more of a big deal. They're like, oh, oh, she doesn't look like a lesbian, and people right. were sort of confused. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and it's a funny thing because that's what I was going to sort of like ask you is that you know normally I wouldn't mention someone's sexuality, but the 
the the uh, because they shouldn't be defined by it, right? They, they're not representing no. the entire entirety uh, of their of their of their uh, well, sexual orientation. Well, but you it, yeah. kind of like are in a position where you slightly are, right? Because you're doing a magazine show yeah, where yeah. you are like the face of of of, of the queer communities. Well, uh, the voice maybe because it's a radio show, right? The right. voice, yeah, you're right. Um, I suppose so. I mean, because I, I think it's it's an interesting thing that may be changing, and I think in some ways. Um, gay people have been a bit defined by it because you know that you know certainly when I came out I mean you know I was a teenager in the 80s in sort of Thatcher's Britain and being gay was definitely not something you really spoke about at school and that kind of thing (laughs) not at all where I grew up in the northwest and um so when I came to London, you know, you would go to gay bars and you, there was kind of this whole other world that was really, really fun and exciting to discover. And there were lots of gay magazines and, you know, like the pink paper and you'd pick these papers up and you'd be like, um, you know, you'd find out what was going on and different places you could go and events you could go to. And there was this whole other world that in some ways is problematic because it's all very separate and it's not kind of... You know, you're almost separating yourselves off. But then in another way, I think it was really joyful and wonderful to actually become part of this community. And I still celebrate that and and I enjoy, you know, having the radio show and having guests who do in some way define as LGBT or queer or, you know, basically not completely sort of heterosexual. Um, And, and, you know, I I kind of... I'm conflicted because on the one hand, I'm really pleased that you know in some ways a lot of gay bars run by people i know they they don't we don't need them anymore because we don't need right. to go to separate places you can to some extent um, not necessarily everywhere but you can sort of go and hold hands or whatever yeah. or you know although the even a few years ago there was a news story about two men who got thrown out of a pub in london the john snow pub um for oh, yes, kissing I remember this right and yeah. yes and peter tatchell sort of led a, a kissing outside the pub yeah. um a few days later so, but, you know, in some ways I think it's, you know, it's good that, that you don't need that separate world. But in another way, I really miss it. It's a shame, you know, because some of those bars right. were really thriving, really good businesses, you know, that um, a lot of them have died. And it's, yeah, I sort of have mixed feelings about where we're sort of going. There's really? almost this sense of progress having some negative effects as well. Right, because the gay communities. Oh, well, some of them at least, and some of them maybe more than others, are kind of moving a bit more into the mainstream now, like uh, with gay marriage with gay and marriage all of those and things. But, yeah. but I mean, gay marriage isn't isn't uh, isn't completely equal because it doesn't really represent trans people. No, that's things really like that, interesting, right? isn't it? It's very complicated if you're yeah. transgender, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so you've got that, and then also... and there's all these anomalies like people who are civil partnered who it's so complicated how you can change to getting married and oh well yeah. i would like as a as a as a non-gay person i would like to have a civil partnership yeah yeah um, there's lots of people who say that actually. yeah yeah but i mean i wouldn't think i, I wouldn't campaign for it because there's, uh, there's more important campaigns there uh, are than, but it, it's but, almost yeah. it's it's kind of funny isn't it you think well why don't you just make that option available if yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, that's that's why that's but that's the thing that confuses me about all of these things. Why would why why don't you make, you know, it just seems so silly that we would care what anyone chooses to do with their lives in a non, you know, know. You know as long it, as it's it, everyone's consenting and everything's exactly. Fine. You know, yes, who cares? Yes. Um, but know, people but we, really we do. do so don't we they? do seem to be 
maybe particularly in this country, we're sort of fascinated by sex and what's yeah. going on because we sort of have, I mean, you know, we have this long history of sort of carry-on films of being a bit titillated right. by it, but, but a bit kind of mortified by it as well and kind of not knowing how we feel. So we are kind of prurient about what, what other people are up to because yeah. we're kind of paranoid about our own lives, maybe. No, no, it's, but it's interesting. A friend of mine always says uh, if, if we didn't have, like, all of the repression, that we wouldn't have, like, the naughtiness that kind of comes <laughs> as, a, as a side. <laughs> oh, right, kind yeah. of a, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not very much in that kind of let's keep it all in and have a dark side. I much prefer to be out in the open about yeah, everything, generally yeah. speaking. Um, which, I guess, like... I mean, this sort of brings me on to sort of slightly to what you're... You did a show last year, didn't yeah. you, about non-monogamy? And you've yeah. re- you recently wrote a, a really great article, actually, for Thank the you. New Statesman about uh, non-monogamy as well. Yeah, um, and I've got a Radio 4 piece going out as wow. well. Um, that, that was a total journey for me because um, I did a show... Yes, last year's Edinburgh Fringe, um, provocatively titled Is Monogamy Dead? <laughs> um, just to try and get a bit of a debate going, um, I had done a show a few years ago called The Science of Sex, which um, I still get asked to tour. It's a really popular show looking at some of the neuroscience behind sexual attraction and sexual identity. And, yeah, it was just kind of me in a lab coat with safety goggles and a flip chart and my really kind of rubbish drawings and graphs. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, it was it was good fun. It was a good fun show. But, but something that didn't really come up as a as a question back then was this idea of monogamy and fidelity. Um, But then suddenly, uh, about two years ago, like a load of my friends' relationships all broke down. Really good long-term relationships. People who've been together like a long time, all around a similar time. And in some cases, infidelity was at the heart of, of what had gone on. In other cases, it was that you know, that dilemma of when a relationship becomes more like a friendship and, uh, you know, there's not that sort of sexual tension there anymore and it's that sort of real conundrum about you really still care about someone but that romantic and sexual right. part of it has, has gone. What Whatever's happened to it, it's, it's just not there anymore and we're, we're led to believe so strongly by the media that that we must have that. We must be romantically in love. All the sort of romantic movies, it's all, you know, gearing towards this idea that the golden couple get together and then that happens right at the end as if, like, then suddenly everything is fine. Once right. you've got together with that person, right, right. it's all smooth sailing, which, of course, we know anyone who's had a real relationship knows it's absolutely not true. There's all kinds of complexities and, and you know, you sort of go in and out of sync with somebody and you sometimes don't really understand why. And yeah, there's all kinds of um, kind of layered things that go on in relationships. So I started um, reading online about monogamy and started thinking more about what it meant. And I found quite a few interesting articles, quite a few books, one by a woman called Meg Barker called Rewriting the Rules. There's also a woman I heard on the on the radio, actually on a programme on resonance, first of all, Catherine Hakeem, um, who'd written... I thought quite a questionable book about the new rules of marriage, about sort of the rules of how to have an affair. Um, And I kind of was a bit, almost a bit frustrated. I thought, oh, it's like making an assumption that people must have affairs and that's the solution to this problem between sort of, um, you know, that, that kind of 
in some ways kind of boredom that creeps in in a relationship and the, the solution is to go off and have an affair but but do it in such a way that you don't do it in your own backyard and you, and you do it discreetly so you're not doing it right under your partner's nose and there, there's all this stuff about the kind of rules that you should follow um and I, t- I prefer to think of those as, as boundaries and i think if you sort of agree certain boundaries with your partner about what is acceptable or not to them um I, you start to veer into the territory of no longer being an affair, but perhaps an, an, an agreement, yeah. which is veering more in towards, you know, this idea of, of consensual non-monogamy, which I'd not really talked to people about. I'd not really realised, you know, there was this big community community of people having a more sort of non-monogamous type setup, and there were all kinds of different hierarchies and structures for that. And I read a, a wonderful book um, called Opening Up. I actually managed to find in my local library that what was really brilliant was when I looked that up, I looked up opening up because I'd heard about this book, and then the other one that came up right underneath was opening up the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought those two really sat quite awkwardly together yeah. in the in this sort of cataloguing system. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought I found it really interesting. You know, in in this book, opening up, there was just all sorts of examples of people whose primary relationship might be a really deeply loving one but had become less sexual and then maybe they had other sexual partners or you know there were just all kind of different ways of looking at it and I suppose what I've started to look at now and think about now is how to some extent well I mean I've sort of been calling it non-monogamy but polyamory is is the word really isn't it many loves as opposed to monogamy which comes from the Greek one, one marriage monos gamos that comes from the Greek um and so, you know, I started to look at this idea of many loves and realised that to some extent we're all a bit polyamorous because we all have friends and some right. of those friendships are deeply romantic. You might only have sex with one person, but um, I I spoke to my ex, who's now a really good friend, and she said, um, oh, I couldn't have an open relationship, but what about what about love affair friendships? And she'd obviously coined this phrase to describe these deeply romantic friendships yeah. that she had. And I thought, it's weird, isn't it, how we have this, you know, this almost this black and white thing that, that you know, someone is either a partner that we assume is kind of a sexual partner or they're just a friend. And we right. say just a friend as if that is, right. is lesser. as if friendship isn't really important. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, I, like... Yeah, I I am in an open relationship. Yeah. Right? So I I opened that up after eleven years of being together. Oh wow. Okay. Um, and then for sort of some similar reasons to what you're talking about, that's part of the reason we decided to open up a relationship. Partly it was that we didn't want to ruin it by having an affair. But we yes. you know we we knew that that we might have we wouldn't be able to forgive lies, but yes. we can forgive which seems a weird word to say it because it's not there's nothing to forgive but we can forgive um uh, each other sleeping with other people or right? you can deal with that you can get over that you right. can get and, over and, any jealousy and, or yeah, whatever you might feel and yeah. part of the thing that both of us i think me and my partner have have felt about this is it is a, it is to do with friendship right the, the 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 kind of part of it is like well if you're friends with someone well why why aren't you sleeping with them that's part of it <laughs> Um, like there's, there's a comedian who I really like. At the, I kind the, of, at the fringe has got a bit like on that um, about like yeah, um, like you wouldn't want to have sex with your friends. This is joke, and it's a good joke at the way in the context he puts it in. But I always think yeah, I would. Yeah, they're exactly the people well, I want to have sex with. They're going to be nice. I kind of think yeah, totally. I kind of 
think, why would you become friends with somebody and think, yeah, I, I totally want to hang out with you, or I'm interested in what you've got to say, yeah. or find your whole kind of aura yeah. and, and personality really attractive and appealing. You know, isn't that so close to romantic love? It's right. such a great area. You know, why wouldn't you want to sleep with those right. people? I don't know. Like, I mean, sometimes I think sex is just a really great way of deepening a friendship. And me, I've noticed yeah, me how too. some of my best friends now are people I did have a fling with, and we went, oh, well, maybe that's not where women are go with each other. Yeah. But but let's be great friends. And I'm sure the fact that we have slept together, even if it's donkeys years ago, or, or kissed, or had some kind of experience it has deepened the friendship and I'd noticed that and I wondered if it was something kind of malfunctioning in in my own personality really that I wasn't very good at making new friendships when I was with someone I always made my friends when I was single now there's a lot that's going on there because I think when you're single you're more open to just meeting people and connecting with people maybe there is that thing in the back of your mind that oh we might might sleep together all it's exciting but but then there's also just this general slightly more openness that you have to shut down a bit if you're going to kind of obey all these strict monogamous rules um and yeah i I was starting to realize i I had felt a bit oppressed by it i suppose um and it's quite liberating to just um kind of to explode that a tiny bit and and what I say now is that I have an open-minded relationship <laughs> in, in the sense that we're not really kind of going off and we don't have lots of other partners, but we sort of are probably quite open-minded about discussing that and seeing yeah. what, what happens and the fact that we do both have friendships that probably are quite romantic. and Yeah. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the thing. Friendships. That's the other thing. It's like you're valuing sex too much when you when when friendship is actually more important. And you you're right. You know, you can be giving too much of, of emotional um, energy to somebody else. And if you've got a primary partner, then that's actually probably worse than if you're having sex here and there because <laughs> yeah. you know they might need your support and you're not there for them because you're yeah. splitting your support between other people. But equally, mm. I mean, somebody said to me, um, "I don't want to be a second fiddle," and I kind of sort of when they said that, I thought it's not. It's not everyone's not fiddles. Everyone's <laughs> a different instrument. Every single person is what, a different instrument. How instrument can you compare you? those things together? I don't know what instrument I am, <laughs> but I mean, I'm, you know, we're all instruments, as in we, we, we I'm making a sound now. Yeah. I'm, I'm making yeah, some music, yeah, yeah. but but I mean, it's so it's a kind of like I don't like the idea of comparing of of competition. I don't like the the idea of making it into a competition. Any of this stuff. No, well, well. Um, I mean, we get so many different things from different people, and I've I've almost felt like. You know, sometimes it does feel like whoever you're with at a certain time, they're, they're almost in competition with your exes. Like if you talk about your ex and something you really enjoyed yeah. doing with them, it's like, right. oh, you don't do that. When, you know, right. you don't go to gigs or festivals or whatever with me or, you know, or, yeah, right. you, you know, that kind of thing. And um, if we could just have different people in our right. lives and just get used to the fact yeah. that, oh, I do this with that person because actually they really enjoy that band that I like that, and you're not really that interested in them. And just get over that, that we have different people for different things. Um, yeah. It'd be kind of interesting. But, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, like, uh, the other funny thing is, I mean, you can... I may be in an open relationship, but, like, when... Like, but um, it doesn't mean that I'm actually having sex with loads of people. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, in fact, reality is, you know, you're still the same person you were when you were in a relationship. Yeah. You've still, you still got the same uh, barriers of how to work out, how to... Inter- how to you know, because, yeah. because there's all of these social 
forces at play yeah. you're not just experiencing all of these complicated things like you know you, you have to deal with jealousy you have to deal with all of the things that you're naturally going to feel but you're also dealing with social opinions about how you're g- going to behave and it, it does feel a little bit it's not the same but it, it's, it's it's a little bit like I think I guess it might it must be to be uh, in, a, in a non-conventional sexual uh, yeah. orientation in that suddenly people are judging you judging when you, you're yeah. not quite used to that um, mm. and so there's there's all of that tied up in it, but then there's also um, the other social things where you not you can't just go up to somebody and say, hey, you know, yeah. we should, should we sleep together? No, that doesn't go. That's not a chat up line. No one does that. <laughs> um, but but I mean that in my perfect world that'd be how it is. Like you know because yeah. we could just be be have it all out in the open. Yeah, uh, I, and think, then... I think we should, yeah I think it'd be healthy if we could relax a lot a lot more about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes if you if you kind of tell someone that you're attracted to them and they totally freak out about it, it's actually not very nice feeling right, to think right. that... it really is You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be nice if, you know, even when people have fancied me and I've not been interested, I've actually then kind of, you know, often actually engaged in yeah. a friendship or, or a deep conversation with them and well, kind of just thing. got to know them just because I think, well, actually, if they've got the balls to come up and say to me, hey, you know, I, I really like you, there must be something about them that's right. probably quite cool actually well I think my thing about that is like the friend zone right we've all heard of the friend zone yeah yeah people in the audience are, are, are nodding and in fact the audience has grown one member since we started so that's, yes. that's really amazing nice. um so yeah but the friend zone is this is this this is idea that you know misogynistic men have of like they've been put in the friend zone and they're not gonna get get any any, any sex which they're entitled to because they're <laughs> friends with someone um, and I always think well, the friend zone sounds like the place I want to be. <laughs> That's the friend zone, right? That sounds yeah. lovely. I'd love to be in a friend zone. If somebody's not interested in having sex with me and they tell me, that doesn't stop me being friends with them. Yes. That, there's no reason for that to stop the friendship. And, and if you're losing no. the friendship because you don't have the sex, you're really valuing the wrong thing, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I really think it's, sometimes it. it's difficult oh, when you're yeah, I don't very, want... very attracted to somebody right. physically. You know, it's it's quite. It, I mean, I've, I I joke a lot in my set about being in in love with That's a true, straight actually. woman, right, right, um, long, long time ago. Um, and um, you know, yeah, like you, I can look back and laugh about it now. But um, yeah, I think it's it's hard. There's a lot to kind of negotiate but did that. you feel entitled that's the that's oh, the, no. the, that's the thing isn't it like well, no, unrequited love see, oh in, i can really inf- it, it, emphasize with that but in a way actually probably being in love with someone who's not the right sexuality even though maybe that's all becoming more fluid anyway that there's a barrier there that you kind of understand it whereas i suppose if you're in love with someone who you know if i was in love with another gay woman or you, you were right. a straight woman and they didn't fancy us it feels more personal because it is right. about a rejection of yeah, you it's saying, not like right, <laughs> you know, saying, you're the wrong gender yeah, your face i don't like rather <laughs> yeah, than exactly. your gender right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's definitely true so yes that's your uh, the, the show you're talking about is 90s uh, 90s woman I, I, I always, yeah that's this year's show 90s yeah, woman, yeah. And that's the one you're doing now um yeah and i i've seen that show it's yeah. it's it's a, it's, a, it's a really great show it's kind of a storytelling show with, really. with a lot of comedy in. yeah with, yeah with some kind of fun um, moments it's it's a funny sort of poignant story looking back at um when i was at university back in the 1990s and created a women's newspaper with a bunch of women called and the newspaper was called matrix and i found some old copies in my parents attic in sort of dusty old bags and boxes and i set about trying to track down some of the women and um, interviewed them on camera so it's part documentary 
um, with, with we go to these clips of me tracking them down and interviewing them about finding out whether they're still feminists, but also myself and um, another comedian, Zoe Lyons, who I was at college with, we reminisce about this, this woman, this intriguing central character that yeah. everybody had a crush on, um, who staged this wedding in the streets of York to her girlfriend, that we were all like feeling bitter. Yeah, and I, I don't, and, and it's, it's a very relatable show uh, in, in, in that way. I mean, I think anyone who's yeah who's who's, who's fancied someone from afar for ages yeah. and ages and watched them <laughs> hook up with really cool people that aren't you, uh, yeah, yeah, can 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 really identify yeah. with that strand yeah. in the show. I mean, and it, and it is kind of I guess it's about partly I guess it's about your changing feminism, is it, or your relationship to yeah, feminism? Yeah, yeah, my relationship to feminism because I. Um you know, I, I, it's just looking at that sense that when you're a student and you get involved with politics, either, you know, because you fancy someone or because you <laughs> actually are really interested in the politics, which of right. course I was as well. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you, you sort of have these this really idealistic, you know, vision and energy, which is great. And you really believe you can change things. Um, which of course is brilliant and in any kind of movement feminism or gay rights you need those young people who have that absolute vigour and belief and then when you get to sort of our age you are a bit more cynical and a bit like oh is this really going to make any difference but you know some things did make a difference and I I joke in the show that when we did that gay wedding demo on Valentine's Day in in the early 90s in the snow with our banners and like two men and two two women staged a mock wedding I joke that that's why now we've got gay marriage but actually maybe it is because of lots of little moments yeah, like that right they, they add up together yes, but the they, every time effects yeah. of those yeah yeah and that's that's an interesting I mean of course the real dilemma for me now is I'm not even sure if I <laughs> if I'm pleased we've got it right even though of course I think equality is a great thing but I was kind of really happy when we had civil partnerships and because There's a lot of, of problems with the institution of marriage. Uh, the I feel. institution of marriage is, is riddled with problems, and I, yeah. I would quite like to see everyone like you um, being able to have a civil, civil partnership, partnership, and let's just get rid of marriage because it, it, there's so much baggage attached to it. But clearly, that's probably not going to happen. No, I mean, I think, uh, I think the government are quite attached to the idea of marriage, aren't they? That, well, they are. They are, and it's and and and, and fair enough. I mean, I, I don't like. It's hard to sort of. I don't want to say we should get rid of marriage because uh, that sounds bad too. Yeah. But I then suppose. when I look at marriage, I. Yeah. You know, so I sort of try to be supportive to anybody's choices in the hope that they'll be supportive to mine. Uh, but that doesn't tend to happen. You just support other people's choices, and then they they don't support yours, and then you feel judged. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I mean, of course, you can have. There are some people who have a really cool type of marriage yeah. and, and cut out all the kind of questionable vows from the ceremony. But I've seen it work. To be fair, I've seen it like have like my step when my stepdad and my mum married. It was like a, a switch was flicked in his head when mm-hmm. he reverted to the kind of patriarchal oh, yeah. role that he'd seen in his parents' marriage, which he didn't have up to that point. Wow. You know, so I, I, I'm, that's why I don't like marriage. No, that's, well, that's exactly why <laughs> but, I don't uh, like it either, just right. this, that sort of whole history of women sort of being traded and given yes. away from one man to another, yeah. you know. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and so do you, and do you, would you define yourself as a feminist still? Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah I say that. I, kn- I knew you did, but yeah. I, I thought that would be a weird question if I just told you that. No, no, absolutely, <laughs> of course. Um, no, I, I absolutely do, um, and I think it's just, it's been interesting to see feminism sort of have something of a resurgence in recent years. Obviously, last year at the Fringe in particular, female comedians were 
talking about it, or at least it got reported in the press that female comedians were talking about it. Yeah. Actually, some female comedians, like Kate Swerthwaite, have been talking about it for years. years. But, you know, suddenly the press decided to to report on the fact that female comedians were talking about feminism. Yeah. Um, One of them happened to be married to a famous person. But that's, yes, that's yes, very, just, that's just, that's just no, completely no, no, to uh, random. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, and... and, and I mean, but but your show is not really. I mean, it's not a feminist kind of. It's not trying to convert people or anything like that. Not it's, really. It's really. No, no. It's it's a personal story. It's. I yeah. suppose it's just looking at the fact that feminism stalled quite a bit between, you know, the nineties when I was a student and and now and sort of just asking questions about about why that happened and what happened. Um, but but there is sort of a nice ending in the sense that I discovered a group of of younger women who in 2006 set up another fanzine so that's really nice to to feel that you know at York University which sort of was full of quite a a lot of kind of weird attitudes because there were a lot of kind of boys from public school who came with quite a lot of you know quite loaded kind of right. beliefs about women um which you know unfortunately is still the case i think yeah in, in, yeah in yeah universities now and um and so it was good to see that there had been women who who had had the energy and, and had come back and, and created this this fanzine that that was you know similar kind of idea yeah. to what to what we've done in the 90s but then in another way kind of perhaps sad because they were talking about the same kind of stuff you know, and and still having trouble actually getting people to really read it. So, yeah, it's kind of just just making those points, but through a quite a, quite a silly and daft personal story of me kind of jumping into the lake to try and impress this woman yeah. and doing lots of crazy things. Yeah, Which is, yeah, and that's a really funny moment. Um, the the like so yeah, I mean, and one of the things that I learned about you when I watched your show is that you you come from Ormskirk, right? Yes, yes. And, and, and what's Ormskirk like? <laughs> well, I grew up in yeah Ormskirk in the northwest, and um, my girlfriend always makes fun of me because um, she she says, "Oh, you love Ormskirk, don't you?" Because she knows I really, I sort of have a very difficult relationship with it. I kind of hate going back there. I I didn't enjoy being at school there, um, and it's funny. Some of my old school um, colleagues are having a big reunion in September and part of me is really curious to go but I know I really don't want to because um, I, I wasn't happy that you know it was maybe it was it's a difficult... next year's show <laughs> yes it could, <laughs> well, it could be funny couldn't it I kind of want to go in disguise and sort of spy on it but I don't really want to be there I don't, I'm trying to work out how I could you know if I could sort of be like a picture in the wall you know <laughs> That, well, yeah, that's like a, a great, a great uh, idea for I'll loads be, of situations. Be the waitress or something. Right. <laughs> In a sort of try and look older. I don't know. So sure. Can get away with it. Yeah. So yeah, so you 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 you're you're debating whether to go back for a reunion. Mm, well, yes, but it, it is a funny town. It's a market town. Yeah. Sort of known for quite quite dull things like sort of potatoes and gingerbread and. Kind of, it's it's yeah, it's it's not very not very exciting. But it was a short train ride from Liverpool, which you know I have I have a real um, place in my heart for Liverpool. I was actually born in Liverpool, even though I don't sound like it. I've lost <laughs> me me scout accent. Not that I ever really had a scout accent, but I do quite like it. And um, yeah, when I was a teenager, Brookside um, was one of my was probably well probably my favourite soap. I've never really watched a lot of soaps, but I did often yeah, um, I watch Brookside because it was a bit gritty and yeah. it was a bit people different. got buried under patios. Yeah, well, the cool. first lesbian kiss right. pre-watershed, of course. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, 
yeah, I guess we we probably enjoyed that for slightly different reasons. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. And so you came like you you went from Ormskirk to what to, to to London eventually. I mean, did you, was yeah. Well, I went to York University, York, of, course, yeah, right, of course, which I talk about. That's the era that I talk about in the show. Which my girlfriend's from York, so I I, oh. I know York well. Yeah, oh, yeah. And um, and then came to London, and I was in bands quite a lot in, in the sort of later 90s when I first got down to London I was playing singing in bands and yeah um, you use some of your music in the show don't yes, you yes that's right um, the sort of opening opening credits are one of my old demo tapes retrieved and, and mustered yeah. digitally yeah 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 and so and what do you play well I play I play guitar um, and but I mean I always sort of myself as a singer songwriter yeah. I don't sort of I mean I do play keyboards a bit I, I sort of had piano lessons when I was a kid um, but I, well, I haven't played keyboards for a long long time so I'm probably very rusty but I always thought of myself as a singer and a songwriter rather than specialising on a particular instrument but I always played guitar on stage but just some rhythm guitar and um, yeah I love kind of thinking of nice crunchy interesting chords um, chord sequences and um, lots of kind of nice major sevenths and nice. kind of not just your bog standard. Yeah, well, I can't. G yeah, that's all I ever do. I, <laughs> it's all, all bog standard for me. I can't even play a bar chord, but I, I hope <laughs> I make up for it in my lyrical content. Oh that's yes, a, that's indeed. what I attempt to do. <laughs> And so you, so you were a musician playing in bands. I mean, the, the question I realise at this point, because the, the conversation has been flowing so well, the question which I ask has. everybody, which is the second question, normally much earlier than this. Oh, is, right. <laughs> yes, how long we Yeah, exactly. Is what do you do now? And so, yeah, what do you do now? I guess, is the... Well, obviously, um, as we've been probably revealing, covered, right. we've covered, I, I, I'm a comedian. Um, I also broadcast, I... Um, present the show on resonance uh, I have done some stuff just recently for BBC Sussex down in Brighton which was a lot of fun and I, I, I love doing broadcasting I, I would like to do more um, I have been on Radio 4 a few times and in fact yes I've got this thing going out next week a forethought piece going out on monog non-monogamy monogamy and all that whole debate yeah um, and I write some articles and stuff as well so and I did in some of the intervening years when I was playing in bands and doing that stuff I did write I did work at Time Out in the music section right. and did some music journalism, journalism for a few years as well and uh, and have done music PR and sort of very on and off still do some music PR right. when people who I've sort of known for years come back and say oh Rosie you know I want you to do my PR because you know there, there are certain people who I've, I've worked with many years ago who, who still come back to me so I've got I've got a, a little music PR company it's kind of liberating when you're uh, promoting somebody else's stuff as well if, if, you, if you're always promoting your own stuff yeah. it's so nice to be able to go right I don't have to have any complicated feelings about this one just yeah these yeah should, these should although it's yeah although, although PR baby, nowadays is, whether you're promoting your own stuff or other people it's very frustrating because there's particularly say Edinburgh Fringe there's just so much yes, out there so many shows yeah and a lot of the music really good music magazines that existed um, you know, back when I was sort of doing music journalism and, and very first started my music PR company 10 years ago, a lot of the magazines have gone, you know, right. loads of them folded and went. Yeah, um, well, magazines are kind of uh, slightly dying in, as an industry. Uh, yeah. Sort of sadly or not sadly, depending on what happens. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> sort of all stuff that came a little bit into, I did a show 
Um, in 2011, I did a show based on a column that I'd written in a, one of those magazines that has now gone called Making Music, and I did a column called Rosie's Pop Diary, which was a sort of behind-the-scenes about me and my band and what we were up to. Um, and I did a whole show with some of my old stills from the time. I played a few of my old songs and just told... It was another storytelling-type show, again, with some funny moments about sort of disastrous gigs and mm. unrequited crushes again. <laughs> <laughs> so what took you from what you did then to what you do now? Because, I mean, you, you did music, so did yeah, you did, think, how did that change the comedy? I think sometimes those accidental journeys are the best. Um, I was uh, playing gigs as a musician and... The band sort of all went off their own, in their own directions, and I was playing gigs on my own. And I felt, because I never thought I was a really super whizzy guitar player, um, I felt quite exposed when I was doing acoustic gigs on my own. I was confident in my voice and the songs, but I thought the guitar playing was fine, it was functional, but I just thought, oh, you know, and I, I wanted to add an extra element. And I just started kind of telling stories and chatting to people in between songs and sometimes that sort of spiral off into a longer story and people kind of really um, enjoyed that and started saying I should have a go at comedy and it came about quite organically I suppose I entered one or two competitions um, like um, sort of so you think you're funny and laughing horse and some of these things and found myself going through to the semi-finals and then when I entered funny women and went through to the final in 2006 that's when I thought oh actually this seems to have a bit of yeah. I seem to be you know without perhaps knowing what I'm doing I seem to be actually doing something right, right. <laughs> um, so I, I started getting offered a lot more gigs because people were like oh you know we quite like you you're quite fun and then it, it sort of took on a momentum and you know that's when I see comedy as really beginning was when I when I got through to that final really in 2006 at the comedy store and I mean a lot of people a lot of female comedians aren't great fans of funny women um, and the woman who runs it can be a bit neurotic and, and, and strange at times but actually it did me a lot of favours mm. and in terms of my confidence and my journey it was it was really integral and I think it's a good thing. That's, well that's cool I mean that's yeah I mean different ways that different people find to to get in and get involved I mean you know yeah like it always seems strange to sort of like knock any of the, the roots in. Yeah. I mean I feel that a little bit in you know in the in the in the fringe, you know, where there's lots of different free festivals, and I sort of think that we're, they're all the same. We're all we're all the same kind yeah. of people, just trying to trying, trying to, to get do, through. Do and yeah. don't I just don't involve myself in any of the yeah. the, the differences there. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess another thing that we've both at different times of knowing each other, because we sort of see each other here and there, we sort of mentioned yeah. um, is uh, well, I've got a t-shirt on today, coincidentally. Oh. Um, is, Snufkins. Yeah, Snufkins on today, and yeah, the Moomins, um, and you're always kind of giving me, every time we talk about the Moomins, you know, because you know I'm a fan of the Moomins, and yeah. you sort of say, oh, we should talk about the Moomins, so yeah, let's talk about the Moomins. <laughs> well, I, I didn't really know much about the Moomins until there was a documentary on BBC4 at Christmas, 18 months ago, yeah, would it be? Yeah, it's a really good documentary. Um, about the, the woman who created the Moomins, Tove Janssen. Yeah. And it was about her life, and it was really fascinating in how, in the summer times, she'd gone to live on this island, and um, yeah, it was just just really, really interesting. And of course, there were little pictures that would crop up now and then about the Moomins, who were these just adorable characters that she created, mainly the family, isn't it? Yeah. Moomin Papa, Moomin Mama, Moomin Troll. That's right. Um, and they sort of—I don't know if people have 
heard seen them but they're almost like little hippos aren't they kind of yeah they've got sort of quite portly um figures yeah and and they're yeah they're just so uh, adorable um although what was particularly interesting in that documentary was you realized that it wasn't just this cute yeah. kind of children's cartoon because it, it, it did get animated and, and this very sweet but quite sanitized version got 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 made that was shown a lot on tv and some people have seen a lot of people have seen that um but but what was interesting was these slightly more serious and dark elements that she'd actually brought in about a lot of characters that are outsiders that are quite unhappy quite troubled yeah. um that's why i like them <laughs> yeah absolutely and and i thought oh you know i started sort of looking at more more kind of more and more moomin stuff and reading some of her books and things and i went to a fascinating event at the uh, rsl the royal society of literature with um there's a guy, ooh, there's Thomas, somebody who's translated a lot of her books. I right. can't remember his I can't surname. Remember his name either. But do you know who I mean? I do. Um, <laughs> he he had gone to stay with Tove and her partner on this island, um, and he spoke about their life, and he, it sounded so peculiar and interesting and idiosyncratic and wonderful. Um, and they would, um, I think, some of these things crop up in some in of the, the books, like the summer books, and yeah, right, yeah, and in the documentary, but. Um, uh, they would, um, rather than do all the washing up as as you kind of used a plate or whatever, they would put it all into a big drawer that would go under the bed and sort of uh, right up until there was just no plates left, um, they would they would keep doing that and putting it under the bed, put the washing up under the bed and then just have a massive washing up session. And they slept in a tiny little tent yeah. by the side of the house rather than in the house. I mean, it's pretty um, much the Moomins, her life. Like, yeah, this is the kind of lives really of the characters in the Moomins yeah, have. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, what I liked about the Moomins books, why they spoke to me, because, I mean, I was a... It sounds like you're a late convert. Yeah, Whereas was, I was, yeah. like, they were, they were a... A feature of my childhood. Really? Uh, was that the cartoon series? Uh, no, the no, books. The, the books, books, the actual books. The books. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, there's a, I've got some time for some of the, the, the cartoons, but really the books. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the thing that the, that I really related to was the fact that, like, and, and I think this is what Tove did when she was writing them is, um, it was a, pretty much a chaotic, non-linear family, right? Which yeah. is what my family was <laughs> and her family was. But, yeah. but, but, but rather than being an unsafe environment, which the, in reality, that's, uh, that's supposed to happen. Brilliant. Oh, that's supposed to happen. Yeah, it is. That's good. I started worrying it wasn't going to go off. Uh, but it, is it that telling off. us we've run? No, 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 it's not telling us that we've yeah. run. It's just a little note to me to tell me uh, that, that, that now there's 10 minutes till the oh, end. Oh, there's 10 minutes. 10 minutes yeah. to the end, so there you go. Um, but yes, um, what was I saying before my, my alarm interrupted me, is, uh, yeah, that this non-linear, that this non-linear um, family which had like all of this chaos in it, um, in reality, is not fun. But what Tove Anson did in those books is made it, made it kind of... Um, redeeming as well as like chaotic and I don't think her actual life was necessarily as fun as yeah. like certainly her childhood I think she she may have found happiness in, in her relationship in her mm. later life but yeah. and so for me that's where it spoke to like this kind of you know all of the fun bits of the moments are the fun bits of my childhood uh-huh. like it, but the but the, the all the darkness in the moments gets sort of smoothed over in this nice but way but I think it doesn't the moments kind of come back onto something that we talked about earlier about friendship really right. and the power of that right. because because friendship is really really I mean you know although the the 
the family, Moom and Papa, Moom and Mama, Moom and Troll, are very central. They have all these friends that are right. really part of the family, yeah. aren't they? Well, yeah, but you become, you kind of just become part of the family by just being nearby. Yeah. And and then that's kind of that's how I'd like society to kind of work in a yeah. way that we're all yeah. part of a family and that we can all look, look after each other. Although you know. Families do always have hemulins in them that make things a bit wrong. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> but but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, so yeah, for me, it's for me, it's a very like uh, there aren't very many kind of family fictional families that resemble my my own, and so it's kind of for me, it's very personal my relationship mm. with with the Moomins. So it's always interesting to hear how other people came on uh, came about them. I mean, I'm such a fan; it's ridiculous. People listening won't know. I've got a Snufkin T-shirt on, but I could easily have had my Moomin Troll T-shirt on, and it's just yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, well, me, me and my, my girlfriend sort of became obsessed with them as well. When she watched that same documentary, um, we've got um, the little figures that you can get. We've got Moomin Mama and Snork Maiden. Right. Um, nice. Sort of to sit by the bed. Um, yeah. And that's, well, that's the thing that the, what the documentary brought across. And that, and that documentary did, taught me a lot of things that I didn't know about the yeah. movies when it came out. But like one of the things in, the, in that is, 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 the, is, her, is her sexuality. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it is that, you know, she was right in the movements in a place where her, her, her sexual, sexuality was illegal. Mm. Uh, and she was like living in you know war situations and like all of those sorts of things and uh, you know all of this stuff that I just didn't realise was behind the movements when I did find out it sort of made sense all of my own kind of the reasons I responded to them so yes. kind of how I found them so nourishing anyway um, yeah I could rhapsodise about the movements but uh, I've done that on the podcast so many times I'm sure you have, so we'll yeah. um, move, move on to the sort of plugging section because the last thing that I ask ah. people to do is yes. uh, do you have any well the, ask, the last question I ask people is do you have anything to plug well um, well lots of things I mean is this going to go out before the end of Edinburgh. Yes, it's going yes, to go out yes. today, today. Hopefully between now and the next show I'm doing this Amazing. afternoon. Amazing. Okay, well, that is the wonder of technology. So Hopefully. Course, it might go out tomorrow, though, because yeah, you know, well, know how these no, things no, go. No, no. Well, of course, <laughs> I would love to plug the remaining dates of 90s Woman, which is on as part of the PBH Free Fringe at the Voodoo Rooms at 5 past 12, so 5 past midday, not midnight. Um, so it's a nice lunchtime show, 5 past 12 up until 1 o'clock. And... Um, yeah, it's a lovely kind of quite chilled out storytelling show to start your fringe it's a really, day. Yeah, with. it's a good. It's a really good start of the day yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think they they'll serve coffee and stuff as well. Like, they do. Yeah, yes, so you can yes. kind of have your if you if you if you're waking up late like everyone does on the fringe. Yeah, you can go over and you have can a go picnic. over and have your coffee. Yeah. yeah, and indeed, if you stay on to the next show, it's the free tea and biscuit hour. So you, wow. can, you can stock up on free tea and biscuits. You're really and doing well there. Yeah, in the, in the show. There's a, there's a tip, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah I mean and so yeah and that's your show up here do you have anything else that you'd like to plug you can tell how you've got a, a show coming out on Radio 4 that's well yeah Radio to. 4 this week Forethought goes out on Wednesday evening and then I'm sure it'll be on the iPlayer for a little while after that um, so the Forethought um, series they, they yeah you can google those um, and obviously my show on Resonance out in South London 
we'll go back on air sometime in mid-September. I'm not quite sure because I think Resonance are sort of closed for... Yeah. They're doing the studios up just right. at the moment. So, so it'll be sometime in mid-September. But there is a website with all our archives that you can listen to um, out in southlondon.wordpress.com. And my own website, I should plug to, is rosiewilby.com. So that's all the places you can find Rosie. I'm, I'm going to do a plug yeah. uh, since I've got a show. Uh, it's on a... Uh, 7.30 at the Banshee Labyrinth uh, every day until the 24th it is a mixed bill show so we have uh, comedians like Rosie's done it a couple of times mm. um, we've got um, sto- storytellers spoken word uh, musicians all sorts of people um, cry until you laugh laugh until you cry <laughs> and uh, that's happening um, and we've got uh, four more of these shows with different guests so tomorrow on the 19th we've got Chella Quint nice. uh, on the 20th we've got Faye Roberts on the 21st we've got Tamakatan and on the 22nd we've got Megan Cohen so they all do different things um, they're all really interesting people I realise my, my, my LGBT uh, quota is really good for this <laughs> run. I've got, I think I've got three lesbians wow, uh, there you go you. there you go so doing my little bit to, uh, to reduce the patriarchy hopefully probably yeah. not uh, really uh, shouldn't really take any credit for anything really <laughs> let's face it well, why not yeah. <laughs> so yes um, and yeah the last uh, thing I asked my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience and we've got we've got oh, two wow. audiences to say goodbye to today yes so yeah do we have to say it separately I think we can however you want to however you want to <laughs> go with it <laughs> well I say goodbye to the lovely people here at the Royal Oak and goodbye listeners podcast listeners goodbye everybody <laughs> Fantastic.